0: In the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, we've been in a series called Accepted. And uh, we're not quite done with that. We're going to touch on some things this morning. So let's look at Ephesians 1, verse 3. It is so important that we hear the word. It is so important that we allow ourselves and put ourselves in a position to be built up in the Word by the Spirit of God. It changes you. Just like we mentioned in our prayer before about uh, eating natural food, you know, of course, we need natural food to survive. We need natural food to be strong and thrive in our bodies. That's part of how God made us. Well, we need spiritual food to be strong and thrive. And there's so little emphasized generally in the world about that. You know, people will spend thousands, tens of thousands of dollars to feed their mind and to educate your mind. You gotta be careful what you're educating it with. Just because you're spending a lot of money to educate it, what's going in there? Because anything you put in there If it's not the right thing, you're going to have to deal with it. And you're going to have to either get it out, reprogram your mind. So we need to be careful of that. But people will just spend all kinds of money, all kinds of time with their mind. They'll spend all kinds of money uh, with feeding and exercising and building up their body. But spiritually, there's a lot of people that are really anemic. Christians or spiritually dead. If you're not, if you don't know Jesus, I mean the Bible says you're, you're separated from God. That's being spiritually dead. But there's not an emphasis on that. But we need spiritual food. We need to understand as Christians we need to be built up spiritually. We read our, our Bible. We, we um, spend time with, with God that way and that feeds you. But you also need to be under the anointing teaching and preaching cuz you'll get things you won't get another way. God made it that way. And you know that feeling. We're about re- we're getting ready to 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 um experience it again. When you get done and you've been built up spiritually, just that sense of full on the inside, satisfied, got what you needed. You know what I'm talking about? We need that. We need to make sure we get it. Otherwise, you know, Somebody, if you're not eating naturally after a while, what, there's going to be problems. Well, same thing spiritually. Jesus has provided everything we need, but we've got to make ourselves available. We've got to take it. We've got to put ourselves in a position so that He can get what He needs to get to us. So, uh, as we're here this morning, we prayed, we released faith, we're believing together, we're going to get what we need. Ephesians 1 verse 3 it says blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ see he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing somebody said why are why aren't I experiencing such and such again we need to make ourselves available we need to put ourselves in a position to receive part of that is we get the word in us Put the word before us so that we know what's available so we can receive it. If you don't know this exists, makes it pretty hard to receive any of it. Verse 4, let's read that again. Uh, or let's go back to beginning of verse 3. We'll read that and then go into verse 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. That's what we've been focusing on, that He has made us accepted in the Beloved. We've spent time, on different facets of that, that we are accepted through what Jesus did, we're accepted by God the Father in the family of God. Now let's look back at verse four. We'll read verse three and then go into four, so you can see what's right before that verse. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. Did you know God chose you before the foundation of the world? If He chose you, do you know He knew you before the foundation of the world? He knew everything about us before the world was created. Before you came into existence on the earth, God knew you. And He chose us. That doesn't mean He picked you apart from other people. God doesn't play any favorites. But He knew that you would respond. In other words, He didn't keep other people from accepting. He didn't do anything special to make you accept. He knew you would. He knows everything. He knew that you would receive what Jesus did. And the Bible said he chose you. And the Bible says he knows you. Before you ever came into this world, before your parents were born, before your grandparents were born, it says before the foundation of the world, god chose you chose us look at psalm 139 verse 13 we are accepted in the beloved we are in this family and this isn't something sudden or recent or a surprise god has known who you are and everything that you have in you longer then you've been alive longer than anybody you know has been alive. He knows you that well. And you and I, if you've received him as your, as Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are accepted into this family. And it's not like, oh, hey, you're here. Uh, let me find out about you. God knows you already. He knew you. He already knew you'd be part of his family. And he's, you're in his family now. See, that might be new to you or... not that long ago, or you think you were developing. He saw you growing up. He saw you come out of the womb. He saw you before when you were developing. That's what this is going to say here. He knows you far better than we, we sometimes think. He knows everything. Verse 13, For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. And that my soul knows very well verse 15 my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed and in your book they all were written the days fashioned for me when yet as yet there were none of them look at that last verse again your eyes saw my substance being unformed and in your book they all were written the days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. In other words, God knew and had written what you would do before you were even around. We're part of his family. And he is so great so, awesome, See, you know, awesome used to mean more than it does now, and it happened in my generation, you know, when we really started using awesome for everything, you know, like in the 80s, everything became awesome, you know, cool. Now they use other words. I'm not getting you know, I remember then when bad became good, you know, people say bad. I remember one of my parents or one of my friends and, you know, she would come, this, this person with family friends, she would be like, that's bad, that's bad. And she's like, you mean that's good? What, what are you talking about? You know, because it became the cool thing, you know, and people say sick, that's good. Nasty is good. <laughs> uh, I, it isn't, you know, but I've heard that. Somebody says, that's nasty. First time I heard that, I was like, what? No, And that's good. I mean, that's like, bad. (laughs) It's like sick. (laughs) At least awesome had a good connotation, you know? I don't know. But awesome used to mean, before it became dumbed down into like, you know, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, awesome, excellent, you know? Before it was that, it used to actually mean God was awesome, that was unfathomable. Awesome was your awe-inspired. I mean, just, wow, speechless. Can't comprehend it. That's awesome. So when we hear awesome, we're kind of like, cool? You mean it's, you like it? That's what you mean? No. When we say God is awesome, it's, it's a different thing. We can't fathom Him. We can't comprehend Him. Here's the thing, he fully comprehends you. Yes, he, does. he is so big, He's so great. When we're talking about, you guys helped me this morning because I have, I have something in, in my heart that we're going to try to get out, okay? <laughs> he, he knows you, every detail about you, but we need to know who it is that's knowing us and that who it is whose family we're in when we say are accepted who accepted us who is he we're not going to go into an you know minute detail about who is he but we need to understand he is awesome and he knows you and he brings people into his family as they respond to him and he's always known everything about you he is so far beyond our comprehension He loves you. He loves us and knows everything that we were going to do, everything we're capable of. And it says here, can you put the last verse on the screen, the last part of that verse, verse 16? It says, in your book they were all written the day's fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. It means before you lived today. He already saw everything, already knew everything about you. In the the Amplified, verse 16 says, Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and in your book all the days of my life were written before ever they took shape, when as yet there there was none of them. That doesn't mean he dictates everything. No, there's too many verses that contradict that. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth. The Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. What? If? If if God chose everybody, there couldn't be any if about it. You don't have a choice. If If he dictates everything on the earth, there's no if. And over and over in the Bible, the Bible says, if you'll choose, if you'll serve me, if you'll follow. But God knows the results of all the ifs. That's a lot of decisions. You know, I've taken a decent amount of math and uh, you know, I have a software engineering background and real quick, that's exponential, that gets big really quick. Over years, all the decisions you make every day, just little decisions, go here, go here, go to store now, five minutes from now, you go one minute later to the store, you know how much change that, you know, all your interactions, traffic patterns, everything, all those decisions and all the combination of all those decisions going on everywhere, God has a handle on all of them, and He's not trying to keep up. He already knows what they'll be before the world was created. He's not taken off guard by anything. Look at Psalm one hundred three eleven. It says, for as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward those who fear Him. Verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. Verse 13, as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear Him. For He knows our frame, He remembers that we are dust. Now, when the word the Bible uses the word "pities," that means he has compassion, he has mercy. Look at um, that in the NIV verse 13. It says, "As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear Him." Fear means reverence, honor. For he knows how we are formed, he remembers that we are dust. We just read in Psalm 139, he, knew how, he knows exactly how you were formed. Doesn't he? I'm, human, humanity doesn't know everything, but he does. We're still figuring stuff out, but he knows. He knows the circumstance, he knows how everything works, and he knows exactly the circumstance you came to be. He knows who your parents were. He knows how they came to be. He knows who their parents were, how they came to be. He knows every decision they ever made. And it says, he knows how we're formed. He remembers that we are dust. He knows where we came from. He knows what we are. In the the Young's Literal Translation, verse 13 says, As a father hath mercy on sons, Jehovah hath mercy on those fearing him. For he hath known our frame, remembering that we are dust. We're in the family of God. And thank God for who we are in Christ Jesus. We need to understand that. That's what we've been saying, who we are. We also need to understand who he is and who we are in relation to him. And those aren't the same thing. Being Knowing who you are in the righteousness of God and Christ Jesus, thank God we need to know that. But we also need to know that doesn't make us equal with God. It doesn't mean that we somehow have to be perfect now. God knew you and me. He knew every decision we would make. And He loved us and He has compassion on us. He's our Father. It says as a Father shows compassion on His children. He's our Father. That's what we're talking about. We're accepted into what? Into His family. And and He is beyond comprehension. And we're in His family as, as one individual. He's always known. He's always known you. Always known me. Knows every gift and talent and ability, every every uh, situation you've been faced with. He already knew that, and yet he called you, and he, and he has a plan for you, and he is not surprised, not dumbing down, not saying we should fail anything, but none of it takes him off guard. He didn't find out about it when it happened to you. He knew about it before you were ever born. So t- right now, he understands and knows precisely. In fact, it's written down. <laughs> he, knows. he knows what his heart is for you, and, but he knows what you're going to do. Called you anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Works with you anyway. You know God doesn't have anybody perfect working for him. Nobody. Well, cert- sh- certainly so-and-so. It, no, it, no. Don't do that. Don't compare. You get beat up. You get beat up one of two ways. You start thinking you're something, and that would be pride. You're something you're not. Well, I'm, I'm better than so-and-so. Uh, pride be- comes before what? Fall. You're setting your, see, Satan setting you up. To fall flat in your face. Or, well, I'm nothing because I'm not so-and-so. And And what does that set you up? To be, just think you're nothing. You're not going to go anywhere. God, who is the Almighty, who is awesome, you're in His family. He knows who you are. Not kinda. He knows exactly. He knows every thought you have. Good, bad, ugly. knows every decision you and I have made and are going to make. And he works with every person. We're right where they're at. You talk about working with somebody where they're at. You know, we talk about that. Where are we at, naturally speaking, compared to him? We can't even talk about it. You don't know, you may know some people on the planet to a certain degree, you don't know him like, you don't know one single person as well as God knows him. You don't know one. He knows everybody completely. All billions of them. Everyone knows them. each one, better than you know anybody. He is merciful. He is compassionate. Just him working with humanity is compassionate. He didn't have to come. He didn't have to redeem us, but he did it because he loved us. And it wasn't because he was deceived. He didn't want it because he was seeing it was shiny and it wasn't, no, he knew exactly He knows exactly what humanity is. And he sent Jesus to redeem us, to be in his family, to be accepted. See, we read these words. And we we can be, oh, I know I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You know, it can become, if we're not careful, just wrote where we say it. But it's like we don't understand what that really means. I mean, how much the fact that he has made us right with him, from where we've come from, where who we are, and what we're doing now, we kinda think sometimes I think, maybe getting ahead of myself, but but we'll we'll catch up. We we'll we kinda think, well, I know some things, so now I gotta walk at a level, you know, that's basically perfect. I you know, I know what the word says, I'm right. So you gotta do it perfectly, or you're not gonna be able to do anything. Well, we want to honor God. We want to walk with God, but we got to keep in mind who He is and who we are and how much He is working with us just to begin with. If you think now you have to be just perfect, you know, we talked about mercy last time we were together. If you think you got to just do everything just right so that He can use you, we are, so, we are sorely misinformed or not looking at the right thing because he's already working with you and I, I completely <laughs> in spite of everything you think well now I got a per-. and you know if you were to see yourself and myself like he sees he's already compassionate he, the fact that he is working with humanity Yes, we are the righteous. Don't get religious on me. Yes, thank God of who we are. But you start thinking, well, I'm something. See, now we, we, we set ourselves up not to be able to walk with him as we should. We're, he's our father. He loves us. He's compassionate. And he's dealing with you and I continually right where we're at. He knew it before you were ever born. So that's why it's a real good idea if we don't do something right just to come to God and, di- and, and get it right because he already knew and he didn't just find out about it and he certainly, it's not like he doesn't know. He knew before you ever knew there was anything to know. Before you were conscious of it, he already understands. But he works with us. You realize he knows everything about the rest of your days yet he's working with you right now. So that means... Something happens, you don't think you're doing it quite right? God already knew that. He already knew it. And what's his attitude? Oh, I can't believe you. You heard the word a year ago or three. You should know. Are you kidding me? He is so far above where our natural state is. We need to understand his mercy and compassion and understand that it's his love that's upholding everything that we're doing more you may think and thank god you can cooperate him with him we can cooperate we should but we need to understand his grace and his mercy is upholding us much more than i think we realize If you start making it all about your faith, thank God for faith. Don't misunderstand, thank God we can believe. We need to believe. But one thing that will help our faith is when we realize how much he's working with us already and he worked with you, even when you didn't do everything, didn't know everything, that'll allow you just to step out even bolder and say, God, I'm with you because you know he's helping you already. And he'll help you more. If you start getting to the point where you're trying not to make mistakes, you know you do stupid stuff. You know, I played soccer. And uh, if you start playing not to lose, instead of playing to win, you start making dumb decisions. You're playing tentative, you're playing afraid. You're, pro- you're, you're trying not to ha- make something happen and then instead of pushing through and make, so- and make something happen, Pretty soon you're losing. You're trying not to lose, but you're losing. And the more you try not to lose, the more you lose. God has, and we read it in in Ephesians, He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. He chose us before the foundation of the world. He knows what you don't know. Working with you anyway. Good job. You're doing an awesome job. Like somebody said, you know, it's like a, a, a three-year-old bringing you a picture that they drew, drew. And you can hardly tell what it is, but they kind of tell you what it is. I have those. I, I, I've kept some of those. And I thank God I wrote down what, I, what it was supposed to be. Because you wouldn't be able to tell. I have some from some of the kids, I look at them, they've seen them, and, and you know, I, I'll write down, this was such, we were looking through some old stuff, and, and there's some stuff there's nobody could ever know, I mean, early stuff, and there was some stuff, you know, where one of the kids, they just were scribbling, and then I had it notated, this was such and such, you know, a storm of something, and you had no clue, there's no way you could ever know what it was. But do you say, oh, that doesn't look anything like what you're trying to draw. Do you tell a a child that? No, this is good for a three-year-old. Now, if they give you that picture when they're ready to graduate in high school, maybe they're not called to be, you know, in drawing or design or whatever, and you can have a serious conversation with them if they're about to. Anyway. No, you deal with people where they're at. They come up and give you this picture. Wow, that's awesome. You realize God is dealing with you and I all the time. Yes, you're stepping out in all the faith you know, and you're believing God. (laughs) There's stuff you don't know. How many of you have walked, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you walked with God long enough to know you didn't know certain things, and He was merciful and blessed you anyway? Well, guess what? There's a few things you and I don't know right now. And we're going to know more. But we need to be centered up on the fact we know him, and we're accepted in his family, and he chose us, and he knew everything before, so I'm just going to enjoy, walk with him, and be happy and peaceful in his family, knowing that there's more to know, more to develop in, Not get to the place where I think I have to have everything just right, because if that's the case, we're all sunk. Psalm 86, 15 says, But you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in mercy and truth. You're a God full of compassion and gracious, long suffering and abundant in mercy and truth. You know, we need to we need to understand the Bible teaches us these different things. And here, you know, here it's it's talking about That God's a God full of compassion, gracious. He's long-suffering. He's abundant in mercy and truth. We need to not focus on any one part of the word to the exclusion of others. And if you start focusing, some people have taken this and just run into the ditch with it. And just, you know, it's just all about mercy and grace, nothing else. Well, that's not true. But you know what? You know, uh, thank God for the truth and thank God we can believe for uh, believe God and, and uh, believe his word. But you know one danger, uh, temptation that I've seen, and I basically grew up in word, and, word of faith circles. Uh, you know, I was born again when I was about six, and my parents in, in the charismatic movement back in the 70s, and, you know, we got, uh, eventually they, they left the Catholic Church after a few years, and um, ended up in a Lutheran church, Spirit filled Lutheran church, with, and this man had Brother Hagen's books on the back wall. So we got into that pretty early in my life, you know, grew up li- listening and seeing different uh, ministers. But you know, one, one danger or one temptation, it always is a temptation, but one thing, and I've seen it personally and I've seen uh, just over time, one temptation is for people to, to believe they, they, they've heard the word in certain areas and they have to do it a certain way and they become rigid and legalistic. Fearful, can be fearful, but they become so trying to do the word that they they negate anything about God being merciful and gracious to them. So they think basically it's all on them. And even though something that is a great blessing and thank God we can believe God, if you try to take that and just isolate it, I've seen this, I I don't know how many people I've seen and talked and, and seen it. This is why. I believe one of the major reasons why you saw there there was a lot of emphasis on grace because the body of Christ needed it because they had had so much of believe God, believe God. And people were trying to do this and pull this lever and confess this and do it. And they're driving themselves nuts. And one thing they started dropping was the mercy and the grace of God and how much he was working with them right where they're at and it became, I'm doing it by my faith and there's a pride and there's a, a, a push over here to where it's all on me. Will you get in that where it's all on you? you will crum- you will crumble. So we needed some grace. We needed people to teach on that, but like anything, people swing it into the ditch. And then say it's all grace and then they start saying it doesn't matter what you do and, you know, God, you'll end up in the same place and totally isolated that. And then what? People get no faith, doesn't matter, don't got to believe anything. And now they're in a different ditch. Now, instead, you know, they're, they're not condemned, but they feel like they can do anything and there's no walking holy, walking with God, anything like that. So like it happens all the time, people will take a truth and they'll swing into the ditch and then it'll start folding. Well, if we'll walk balanced down the center of the road, thank God we can believe God and we know the truth. We emphasize Him. We can believe God and believe Him. Believe what He said in His Word. We talked about it in the offering. Believe. The Bible says we won't have any lack. Well, we believe that and you can act on it. But there is a truth. We, we're talking about being accepted in the beloved and being accepted into his family. We also need to understand the grace and the mercy and the compassion and the help of God. And thank God, like we were saying earlier, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But we are not the Christ and we are not him, God Almighty. He's working with you and I. I don't care how much you've, wor- you've walked In the word of faith, I don't care how much you've exercised your faith. We can't start looking at that as the end-all, be-all because you will put pressure on yourself. Your faith will actually be hindered and your relationship with God will be hindered because you'll think it's all you. And in reality, God has helped you and I so much, you and me so much, more than we could know. And if we'll stay there, understand that as you're believing God, He's there helping you. As you believe God, it's only by His grace and mercy you're able to do anything. You get to where you're, you're walking with Him. And you want to, I'm going to believe, I, you know, I'm believing you, God, but I also understand you're upholding me. I also understand you're with me. You're helping me. You'll strengthen me. You'll do it. See, His part, it's both parts, but see, you, see, this is basically the the essence of it. People will either emphasize it's all God or it's all you. It's all God, doesn't matter what you do. It's just God. Well, that gets you into a hole. At some point, something doesn't go right and, well, it's God because everything's God. Now people get mad at God. If you think it's all you, and what does God do? What does God Why is Jesus your Savior? You might as well just flush all that and just go in some religion where it's you're, you're, you're your own Savior. Well, oh, I don't believe that. Well, then what line? Where, where does it become where God helps you? So now it's all me. My faith, my belief. Well, no, you're supposed to believe. How about God provided everything we know, need through Jesus. He is an almighty, he, he knows everything about everybody, and in his infinite wisdom and grace and mercy, he provided everything we need. He made it uh, 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 the ability for us to be accepted into his family, and now if we'll believe him, we can receive those benefits, and if we'll follow him, we can walk in his path for our lives that he's already he knows what's going to transpire, doesn't make it happen, but He knows. And we cooperate with Him to fulfill His plan for our life. We don't let go of His mercy and grace, we don't, but, and we don't let go. We believe and understand that we got to walk with Him and believe Him, but we don't let go of either side. We walk with Him in faith, trusting in His mercy and grace. Trusting in the fact that you're in his family. Like, if, you're in a, if you can imagine a godly, natural family, it's not all up to you. Everything, all the time. We all need mercy and grace at times. Amen? Amen. Well, God's our Father. All of a sudden, now, we're, you know, the puffed-up three-year-old that, I got this. <laughs> he knew you. Forever. Well, I I got it. Okay, thank God we understand some things. We also under have to understand some other things. How big he is! Look at Psalm ninety-four, verse seventeen. You guys, all right? Unless the Lord had been my help, my soul would have settled. In silence, if I say, My foot slips, your mercy, O Lord, will hold me up. In the multitude of my anxieties within me, your, your comforts delight my soul. Verse 17 says, Unless the Lord had been my help, my soul would have soon settled in silence. If I say, My foot slips, your mercy, O oh Lord, will hold me up. You look at that in the amplified. I think I have those out of order, but it's the next scripture down in the amplified. Psalm 94:17, amplified. It says, unless the Lord had been my help, I I would soon have dwelt in the land where there is silence. When I said, my foot is slipping, your mercy and loving kindness, O Lord, held me up. Unless God had been there, unless God had been my help, the psalmist is saying, I would have been done for. You know, I remember one point. I want to say that or not? Yeah, sure. I did some stupid stuff in high school, or it is college. And I was, you know, messing around with some people. And we were running down a hill. And it was dark. Couldn't see anything. And all of a sudden, I just had something hit hit me in the chest it was just like running and then like that and it was a wall blocking a ravine that was right in front of me that we could not see I tell you what I thank God even when you're being an idiot God's merciful Amen I I bet if we we could spend the rest of the day just go around the room and tell, you know, where God, you knew, it was God that that helped you. Amen? Amen? He knows us. Verse 18, When I said, my foot is slipping... Your mercy and loving kindness, oh Lord, it held me up. When you say, Lord, doing what I know to do, pushing on me. It says his mercy and loving kindness held me up. God's faithful. He's a good God. And He sees us where we're at. You might put on a good show for other people. You might talk a good talk. You might say the right things. But He knows. He knows. He knows where we're at. He knows all the times you didn't even know you needed to be saved, and He saved you. We're not talking about unbelief. See, sometimes people get so it, it get so tongue-tied in, in not trying to say the wrong stuff, and we shouldn't say the wrong thing. But you gotta be honest with God and know who he is and what he is to you. He already knows. You're it, he's just see, we're talking about him being our father. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean he's just we're in a religious mode and we talk the right thing and then he accepts us. Is that the way you are? Maybe you are. Is that the way we are around our family? God says ex- everything exactly right? Well, they know. I mean, your family they say, see right through you. Right? Does God know us better than our family? Sure he does. He knows, he knows what you're doing. He knows when you're believing. But he also knows when you need help, you're going to act like you don't need help. Yes, you ought to, we need to say the word. We need to speak the word. But there is, don't get so religious. See, You say religious? We're not religious in word of faith. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Have you looked around? I'm not talking about here. I'm talking about, I grew up in this thing. I, you know, I went to Rhema. Uh, there's people, and I'm not knocking anybody, but I'm saying in, in. People get so far over here that, that it becomes like they're, they're going to say what they deem as the right thing even when it's, it's not where they're at whatsoever. And you won't get answers, and you won't get, the, get to where you need to be. If you're not, you know, fine, we need to say the right thing, but don't say the right, quote-unquote, right thing when it's not the truth, where you're at. I'm not talking about confessing the word. If you can't be honest with God, who can you be honest with? You guys all right? God's faithful and he is good. The psalmist is saying here, man, if the Lord wouldn't have been there, I'd be done. I would have been done. Psalm twenty seven, fourteen. It says, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. It says, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Believe him. Wait on him. Another translation says, Wait in faith on the Lord, or the margin. Wait in faith. means look to him acknowledge him is God far away or is he truly our father that's what we're talking about are we accepted we're accepted he accepted us because of what Jesus did and he knew everything and he accepts you and he knows exactly what's going on he knows exactly where you are he knows what what needs to happen he knows where you're going he knows where you've been and he loves you in spite of everything, everybody, and He's our Father. And see, now when we get in there and know who He is and know that He's our Father, now we can actually get somewhere. It's not about everything we're going to do. It's not about everything, you know, He's, going, he's not going to do everything for us, but everything He has made available, everything that we need. And as we walk through this realm, on this earth, we need to understand who He is, what He can do, and who we are to Him, which is why we're spending some time on this, and understand that everything that He has for you is not up to you. That you can walk with Him, Enjoy where you're at. Enjoy fellowship with Him. Be honest with Him. We're not talking about just going in a bunch of doubt and unbelief and just, oh Lord, I can't, I can't, no. But there's a difference between you just spouting stuff off and you being honest. This is pushing. Something's pushing on you. Something's pressing. Again, if you cannot be honest with Him, who are you going to be honest with? Who is He? Think about it this way. If you can't be honest with God, but you're okay with being honest with a person, what does that mean? He knows more about you than that person does. In fact, this maybe this will help. Think of the person you trust the most in the world. Say, I don't trust anybody. Well, you've got to renew your mind. We've got to renew your mind based on the word To what God says. But, maybe just in the natural help think of the pers- a person or persons you trust more than anybody. You trust them. God loves you more than that person. He accepts you more than that person. He already knows everything about you. And he is infinite, has everything that you, have, that you have need of. He already knows what you need, knows where you need to go, is willing to use everything that he has for you and is not going to drop you because of something he finds out about you because he already knows everything. Now, there's, there's nothing. Well, I know I should be believing this, blah, blah. You don't think he knows exactly where you're at? I'm talking precisely. You may not know where you're at. He does. Oh, he's... He is is so gracious and merciful right now. Some people are like, oh, yeah, well, I'll I'll shine myself up a little more, then I'll be honest. He already knows. He's already accepted you when you had nothing to offer. We're talking about walking with Him, being accepted, being in a family, in a family that you know they love you, they support you, no matter what, looking at Him going, yeah, this is this and this, and... Being honest and believe in him, you, that puts you on solid ground to move forward with him and to believe him. 2 Timothy 4, verse 16 says, At my defense, at my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. so that the messages might be preached fully through me, and that all the Gentiles might hear. This is Paul. He said, at first offense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. Verse 17, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. He stood with me. He strengthened me. He helped me. The God of all creation. The God that is infinite. You know, I think we... I mean, there's no way we can comprehend how he deals with, uh, how how big he is. But you know, when you, you see something that you think is big on this earth, you know, you see a big building, or you see a mountain, or you see a big body of water. That is such a small part of this small planet In this one galaxy that we live, I mean, you think something's massive and you see it. If you can see it and you think it's massive, it is tiny in relation to what is. When you see a mountain, anybody, I mean, we have some mountains here, but like, you know, out in Colorado, the Rockies are, they're a lot bigger. And there's certain places, I remember we went and visited, you know, uh, up this one, like, Loveland Pass, I think it was called, but there's this place where you look down and there's just these massive mountains all around in this valley. And it looks really big and it's, you know, when when we used to drive in toward the mountains, it looks like the mountain's right there and it's like 60 miles away. But it looks like it's right there because it's so massive. God... That, that mountain is so tiny compared to the globe. And, and God is bigger than all that. I mean, He is so infinite. He, he knows the universe. And here's the thing I want to get to. He, he deals with, he, with all that knowledge and that power. He deals with us individually, knows everything about us. So He already knows... In our, in our everyday lives. He knows what's going on. He knows where we're at. He knows where we need to go. And He's already helped us so much. We need to, sometimes we need to just take a step back and, and emphasize in our minds, in our hearts, who He is and who I'm holding on to and whose family I am. I'm not talking about for everybody, but this is for some people. Some people, they just need, they need, to, they need the other message. They need, wait a minute, you think it's all God. Well, uh, there is something you need to do. That's not what I'm talking about, though. Some, some individuals, you need to understand that, yes, you believe in God, that, yes, you know some things about God, But there's a whole lot more of who he is and what he knows and who you are in that family that you just need to back off a little bit and start focusing on how much he is gracious, how much he does help you, how much he does know you, and let him do some of the lifting. In fact, you're supposed to cast it all on him. And you're thinking... I, but I know, and I got to do, and I didn't say this right, and I do this right. And, God, I, uh, and you need to just back off and say, wait a minute, if he's my father and he knows me, Lord, you know, you know where I'm at. You know what, I, where, what I'm dealing with. You know, what, you know what I know about the word. You know what I don't know about the word. Lord, I trust you. But Lord, I trust in your strength and your help and your ability, and Lord, help me. Show me. But I'm going to rest in the fact you already have me. In your family, in your power, and I'm trusting you to help me. Ephesians 6, 10 says, Find that, my brethren, be strong in the Lord in the power of what? His might. See, some people we read that and we get to the place where it's our might because I know what the word says. I need to say it's it's, it's I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. I got. And we we don't we don't we're not conscious of this, maybe, but we we're not we're not putting him in this pop, pro, proper uh, place. And letting him be God and say, wait a minute, I'm supposed to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I'm in the family of God and he has loved me and he's accepted me and I'm going to be strong in him. Thank God I'm in his family. Lord, as a good father, I trust you. I rest in you. There is a, I'm gonna read you this. So I do a judge, you know, Brother Hagin would tell this story, but I'm just gonna read it to you. It says, on May 11th, 1932, a crowd of 10,000 assembled to welcome the world's largest dirigible, big balloon, the, the U.S. Navy's $8 million USS Akron to Camp Kearney, San Diego, California at the time the U.S. government was experimenting with lighter-than-air aircraft. The mooring appeared to be successful. Then a ring that held one of the two mooring cables snapped and the 785-foot airship started to lift. Two groups of sailors holding landing ropes attached to the cables attempted to guide the Akron back to its mooring mass, but strong winds buffeted the the giant dirigible, and it broke loose, lifting many of the 200 sailors 10 to 20 feet off the ground. Some were injured as they fell, then only three men dangled from the 300-foot cable as the Akron continued to ascend. According to contemporary newspaper accounts, hysteria prevailed. Women fainted, officers wept, enlisted men ran around wildly, unable to help the three desperate men clinging to the cable. Soon two of the men could hold on no longer and they plummeted 150 feet and 200 feet to their deaths. Farther up in the twisted lines, the third sailor, a 19-year-old enlisted man from Oklahoma, braced his feet in some wooden hand grips and quickly lashed other lines attached to the cable around his body. He just kept holding on as the Akron rose to 2,000 feet. The horrified onlookers thought that his strength would fail at any moment and he too would fall to his death. Half an hour passed, then the tiny figure moved, the man was alive. Attempts to lower the giant aircraft were unsuccessful because of the winds. The sailors' two-hour ordeal finally ended when the crew cautiously hauled him inside the airship by hand while the Akron circled San Diego. When people asked him, how did you hold on so long? He replied, I didn't hold on. When I saw I was too far from the ground to let go, I wrapped the ropes around me. I wasn't holding on to them, they were holding on to me. While people on the ground were screaming, he was up there enjoying the scenery. He wasn't trusting himself to hold on. He was trusting the rope to hold him. He was swinging free. When it says, be strong in the Lord and the power of of his might, we're to just wrap ourselves in the promises of God, wrap ourselves in who God is, what he's done, who he is to us, all the magnificence and the awesomeness He is, wrap ourselves in what He said and just stay there. Walk with Him. Walk with Him as one that's in His family, that trusts Him. Yeah, you're acting on the Word. You're acting on the Word of what He said and you're trusting Him. Not trying to hold on. Not trying to do everything not trying to do what the Word says, but you're saying this is what the Word says, and I'm going to relax in Him, and I'm going to let Him hold on to me and know that He has good things for me, and I'm going to stay strong there. Upheld in His power and His strength. Amen.